Your Pass First Point Guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. Let's do another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen. Free on all platforms, coming at you five days a week, Monday through Friday. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. You're listening to Monday, March March 6th show. And Blazers played two games over the weekend. Friday night, they lose to the Atlanta Hawks. Sunday, they they hold on to beat the Orlando Magic with a clutch win against the Magic. I want to talk about those two games. I want to talk about Jeremy Grant. I want to talk about Joe Cronin's summer ahead and why this is his team and his roster unequivocally. That's what we're going to do. Let's start doing what we do, though. Fastest recap in the West. The Blazers... Go into Atlanta on Friday night to kick off a six-game road trip, and they get thrashed. Dang it! <laughs> they let they never led, never led in this one. Trailed by as many as twenty-three points. They lose one twenty-nine, one eleven. This game was relatively close. The Hawks close the third quarter on a seventeen to five run, make it in from a nine-point game to a twenty-one point lead at the after three. Blazers never get closer than fifteen in the fourth quarter, and they lose. Uh, your box score from that one: Damian Lillard finished with thirty-three, Cam Reddish twenty-five against his former team. Jeremy Grant had fourteen. Trey Young, 23 points and 11 dimes and 7 boards. But the the story of this game is so the Blazers had nothing, nothing for DeJounte Murray. He finished with 41 points on 17 of 22 shooting. Uh, DeAndre Hunter added 17. You got to... You know, you got 11 and 12 from Clint Capella, but like this game was about this game was about Dejounte Murray. He scored every way he wanted. On he's you know he's a mid range pull up guy. He gets to the rim. He's added a three point shot over the last couple seasons. He made all five of them that he took. He shot the ball well, but the Blazers just couldn't stop him. Uh, for the game, Atlanta shot 57 percent, but in the second half, the Blazers shot 54 percent from the field. They were doing they were fine after kind of a, a clunky first half in which they only scored 49 points, 19 in that first quarter. But they, they got going like they, they kind of found what worked and it didn't matter because they couldn't get they couldn't get enough stops to make it a game after Atlanta blew it open in that third quarter. And the fourth quarter was just like, would you like to trade buckets? Sure thing. Uh, one thing the Blazers did a little experimental. I think uh, we've talked about it here on this podcast. I've talked. You've listened. Uh, this is Royal We. I guess I talked about it with Jason Quick. That's a we. we Friday show. Jason Quick was on it. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. It was it was a good a good uh, discussion of Matisse Thibel and Cam Reddish. But the Blazers are just. They're just desperate for more ball handling. So in that game against the Hawks, uh, Chauncey Billups gave Cam Reddish a bunch of opportunities to play primary initiator, point guard, whatever you want to call it. I, I think primary initiator is probably the right the right word for it. The, the guy who brings the ball up the floor and gets you into your stuff. Let's Damian Lord spend time off the ball, spend time, the, the language he prefers is behind the defense. The Blazers are just desperate for that skill set. They gave Cam Reddish a chance. It didn't look very good. Um... Cam wasn't bad. He didn't really get going until late in that game. Uh, kind of offensively, he scored his, his uh, points came in the second half. But, like, that's not the solution. And they didn't really lean on it on on um, 
on Sunday nights when they got played their second game of a row of the roadie in Orlando. The Blazers had a flight delay, apparently long time out on the tarmac in Atlanta, waiting to take off one of their planes. Uh, for what it's worth, like most teams in the NBA don't own their plane. Blazers don't either. You're 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 renting them, whatever. Um, and so the Blazers, whatever plane they were using that day, did not work. Uh, so they had to wait to get a new one, and they spend a lot of time in the tarmac. Another day of travel troubles. This time, uh, no music videos, no Blizzard. Just um, apparently Damian Lillard or Chick-fil-A, according to Blazers broadcast. Blazers reporter Brooke Olsendam featured here on my shirt. Uh, shout out to Proto Plutonium for the for the T-shirt. Uh, Brooke says that Damian Lillard ordered the team ordered the team uh, Chick-fil-A and they sung a Happy Birthday to Matisse Thibel and then they went to Orlando to play their game on Sunday night. They led early in this one, but it, they never got a big lead. 31-27 after one, up to 58-56 uh, at halftime. Damian Lillard, monster third quarter, 17 in the third, got whatever he wanted, looked like a superstar because he absolutely is, and yet the Blazers only led by four, 92-88 after three, and this one came down to the final seconds. Markel Fultz makes a fast break layup. Dame missed a three, or missed a layup rather, excuse me kind of forcing a forcing a shot in traffic. You miss a layup in the NBA, you're going to give up a layup the other way because if you if you smoke a layup, you are behind the basket. Transition defenses, um, you know, teams used to even emphasize it more than they do now. I think teams, uh, the way teams run has changed a little bit, but miss a layup, give up a layup. That's how it works. Magic get out on the break. Markel Fultz scores in semi-transition. We've got a tie ball game with 58.8 seconds left, all square at 113. So, after Dame had that big third quarter, the Magic had been doubling him in the third quarter, but the double came harder and more aggressive and sooner in the fourth quarter. Like it was much more concerted effort to, um, to just like make sure that they caught him coming around the screen because before they were sending two, but he was kind of dictating how the double team came and he was just blowing past it. He's like, Mo Wagner is not fast enough to guard me bring him up there. The Magic did a much better job of getting Wagner out of those actions. They did a better job of uh, walling up behind him, just like straight up for a long time, just not guarding Matisse Thibel, but they were double teaming hard and Damian Lord, the whole fourth quarter, really, really aggressive double teams. And Dame had done a pretty good job of accepting those double teams, making the right play. And now in a tie ball game under a minute left with the ball, he again accepts the double team takes gets two to the ball it's what you want to do right like if they're going to send two to the ball accept the double team trust your teammates dame does gets a pass out to drew eubanks drew eubanks kicks it in the corner jeremy grant grant drives baseline draws uh, the help defenders kicks back out to nazir little who'd been put in the game with two minutes left because they hadn't been guarding tease and chauncey billups knew that they needed another shooter and nazir little is that these days i'm, I'm pretty surprised by it but he's certainly that he's a shooter um and knocks down a three the Blazers go up by three, two Franz Wagner free throws, two Damian Lillard free throws. The Blazers are up three with 11 seconds left. Uh, Wagner drove, got fouled, made them both. Dame accepted the double team kind of, um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> he he did a little half hook of Caleb Houston's arm. Uh, he's a great, he's good at drawing free throws and he did. He gets to the free throw line. He scores. Uh, and the and the Blazers are back up three with 11 seconds left. And from there, the Blazers choose to intentionally foul. Foul game 122-119. That's your fastest recap in the West for both games. Uh, so there was no Cam Reddish 
Um, let me give you the box score, and I'll talk a little bit about what the Blazers did. 41 from Dame. He did not shoot well. 4 of 16 from the from the three-point line, but got to the free-throw line. 17 of 20. It's what superstars do. Jeremy Grant, 20 points, 6 boards, 7 assists. He, uh, more on that in a moment. 13 from Drew Eubanks. Um, he had a really, really solid first half. 16 from Cam Reddish. 11 off the bench for Nazir Little. 8 for Shaden Sharp, and 7. Just 8 guys played in this game. Nas, Shaden Sharp, and Trendon. You're only three players off the bench. There was no uh, spot minutes for Jabari Walker in this game. Still no Newark, still, still no Amphrey Simons on the other side. Still no Wendell Carter Jr. for the Orlando Magic, as well as Gary Harris, who both, you know, regulars, um, star- starters for the most part this season. Uh, certainly, Wendell Carter always starts, and Gary Harris mostly starts. They were missing them on the other side, but but the Magic got 24 from Franz Wagner to go with six assists, 20, 26 from Paolo Bancaro, who was really good, five boards, uh, 15 from Suggs or Jalen Suggs, 15 from Mo Wagner, Franz's brother, 15 from Markel Fultz, who I thought was really good, and not much off the bench. My boy Cole Anthony, five points on two of nine shooting. That is seven missed field goals, five points for my man Cole. On Friday night, they really leaned on that Cam Reddish, uh, Cam that Cam Reddish point guardy thing. They were like, let's let him be the initiator. Let's try it. It didn't work and they abandoned it. They didn't really go to it, but it was clear. It was so extremely clear that they talked about moving the ball. The first half of the ball was flying around. Not like uh, whatever those like early Stotts era teams where the ball pinged around and there was crazy movement. Like that's this. It's not. It's not 2013. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's that's that was 10 years ago. That's, that is not what this is. But it was very clear to me that there was a conversation between Chauncey and his team that 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 they needed to move the ball because playmaking has been such a problem. So it's got to be on everyone. I thought Drew Eubanks much 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 faster decisions. Uh, Drew finished with with three assists all in the first half. Um, Jeremy Grant, who's not a playmaker, seven assists, just quick decision making. It's not like he's doing, um, he's not like Jeremy Grant's manipulating and drawing two and all these things. It's just quick decision making. The ball, I thought Dame was excellent, excellent, excellent moving the ball in the first half. He finished with nine boards and six assists, but he was, his his passing was great in the first half. It just, um, you know, they... Uh, <laughs> They struggled a little bit when he was off the court, but he he set the tone. I thought Jeremy Grant moved the ball a lot better. I thought Drew Eubanks moved the ball a lot better. Secondary playmaking was what they desperately need. Um, assists aren't always the best measure for it. Like, I thought Dame passed the ball. I thought Dame had the best passing game that he's had in, in a while, and he finished with six dimes. Like, it's just it's how it works. Um, I thought Jeremy Grant was, was really clearly into moving the ball quickly, and he was rewarded with assists. It helps when you pass the ball to Damian Lillard. Um, he can really shoot it. And then in the second half, when they were when the Blazers were when Dame was getting double teamed, particularly that fourth quarter, getting double teamed, he got the ball out and they made the right plays. They made the right plays. And and to me, that's probably like real attentiveness to um to moving the ball is probably more valuable than like try Cam Reddish at point guard. It's like it's not that's not gonna be something you do going forward. I understand why you tried on on Friday. It's super duper didn't work. They scrapped it and like clearly the ball moved and it was an emphasis to have that ball move um it, and on in Sunday's game against the Magic. Uh you know, credit credit to Chauncey Billups. I, I think he struggled a bunch this year, but he made the right sub and got Nas in the game in, in the final two minutes when they they were he knew that there was going to be help off of that double team. If they're going to run a high pick and roll, 
swing, swing. Somebody's going to be open. You just want your better shooters in there. If it's Cam and Jeremy Grant and Nas, that's shooting on the court with Drew Eubanks and setting that screen in the middle. Drew, as a as a uh, more faster passer, was helping helping it all, helping the machine work. And and Nas hit the big one with 30 seconds left. Like it's credit to him and credit to Chauncey Billups for clearly, um, at least for one night, getting the guys to buy in to move the ball a little bit quicker. Like I li- I'd like a. A little, little, little bit quicker than than it gets. It can get really sticky at times with this team, and it was not was not sticky in this game. I want to talk about Jeremy Grant. Uh, he has been one of the things I wanted to um, focus on in the second half of the season was watching Jeremy Grant be that secondary option. And to me, what that really means is when Damian Lillard's out of the game, can that guy be a primary scorer? And I want to talk about what we've seen from Jeremy in these first few games and what it means for him in his future with the team. Spoiler, he's going to be on it. So that's what we'll do in the second segment. But first, let me tell you about prize picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. I play prize picks on the app, but you can also play on prizepicks.com. And they got all the sports you're looking for. Major League Baseball as we head into spring training. We got MLS action as we as we get going. You got the NHL, you got the NBA as they head towards their post seasons. I personally play the NBA and how it works is you pick an entry between two and six players and you just pick above or below the projections that are set by prize picks. So it's things like points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. They set the line. You say up, up, over that line or under that line and you can win up to 25 times your money if you get all six of them right. But you can pick the payout. If you're not feeling hot, you can say four out of six or five out of six you set the payout you set the odds and you can make some money it's just you versus those projections and right now you can get a hundred percent instant deposit match if you're a first-time user and you sign up using the promo code locked on that's a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred bucks put in a hundred dollars get a hundred dollars you put in fifty dollars you're gonna get fifty dollars just go take advantage of it today don't wait go go now pricepicks.com or download the app and when you sign up use the promo code locked on all right Let's talk about Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant has was I don't think he was very good on Friday, um, but he was good in this game. Like he didn't shoot well, five of fourteen from the floor, um, one of six from two point range. We got to the free throw line seven times. He grabbed six rebounds. He had seven. He he had seven assists. He blocked a couple shots. He got a steal. Like this was an active and very good game, and yet. The minutes where Dame sits and Jeremy Grant is running that offense, the Blazers the Blazers struggled a little bit. They 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 were outscored by seven points in those minutes where it was just JG and no Dame. Uh, this is part of the thing that I wanted to watch in the second half of the season or the stretch run of the season after the All Star break was with presumably. I thought Amphrey Simons was going to miss more time. Instead, he came back um, faster than I thought he would and then re-aggravated the injury. So he's out, which is kind of what it's like in a like a, maybe a less a way that feels worse. But uh, like in a way that we anticipated, I thought he was going to miss a couple weeks after the break. And here he is. He missed this game and uh, no update yet on his availability for Monday's game in against the Pistons. But uh, with Ant out and with Nurk still out, even with if Nurk was going to play, like Jeremy Grant is going to be the focal point on offense with that second unit. And for me, one of the things I wanted to watch was could he functionally be a number two scorer on what I would consider like a really good offensive team? And I don't, I, I'm not like definitively six games in or whatever, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I 
I don't really mean that. Like I, 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 what I think is the short answer and the long answer are both no. He probably can't be a number two option on a really good offense. So that doesn't really change anything about Jeremy Grant's future with this team. He provides some. He provides defense that they need. He provides some scoring that they absolutely need. Even if he can't be a primary guy in a really good team, he's shown that he can be like he's a, a totally capable secondary scorer if he has someone to play off of. He's a he's a he's just like a what you would call a play finisher. That means someone who when he gets the ball he shoots it. He gets the ball he dunks it. He finishes plays. He doesn't make plays for others. He's not like going to initiate for others. He finishes plays. When he gets the ball he's going to finish the play. That's what he is, and he's pretty good at it. Like he's been good. He didn't shoot particularly well from 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 two, and he had a, and he's had some. He's had the worst stretch of the season probably over the last six weeks, right? Like he's been he's been the worst he's he's played. But in general, no impact on Jeremy Grant's future with the team. He has, on the record, said told Jason Quick of the Athletic that he has been offered a four year, hundred twelve million dollar contract extension that he has not signed and will wait to sign it or talk about it in the off season. The reason you would do that is because you can get an extra year. You can only sign right now four for 112. You can sign a larger contract and more importantly, an extra, a fifth year if you enter free agency and don't sign a contract extension. The distinction being you wait, July 1st comes, whatever, midnight on on June 30th, or I guess it's like, is it 9 p.m. out here rather? 901 p.m. You sign that contract extension, whatever, but you can add that fifth year. You can add as opposed to 5% raises, 8% raises. So the, the contract can just be bigger. So if Jeremy Grant wants a bigger payday, summertime is to go do it. To me, nothing's really changed. I think four for 112, um, at the beginning of the year, it felt too big. Then it felt like maybe it was too too small and Jeremy Grant probably outplayed that contract. Now I think it's back to being fair. I think it's about right. So if he signs like a fifth year, you know, you're talking four years, but a player option for a fifth year. So it's something like five for 140. That's going to feel like a massive contract for Jeremy Grant. And quite frankly, the back half of that deal might be a little burdensome because that's how age works. But... There is no world where the Blazers let Jeremy Grant walk. You can't. You can't. Because if you were going to if you're going to move on from Jeremy Grant, the time to do that was at the trade deadline. You trade him for something. You don't let him walk in free agency. You're not going to magically have cap space if he walks. You just lose the right to re-sign him. And I there is a scenario in which he's part of a sign and trade for some massive other haul and all those things. That could happen. But assuming that he's not, you know, he's assuming he's not the centerpiece of of whatever big uh, star they might they hope to trade for and that's a conversation for another day don't worry we will get there you know the the most practical thing is to sign Jeremy Grant and it's the only thing honestly you can't you just you can't let him go you cannot you cannot let him walk in free agency so the question is it's like I when I when I talk about the contract number I don't think there is a number where you walk away from and let me be clear, it's out there that his max, like his contractual max this summer is 5 for 235. No one, let me say it again, no one is considering offering Jeremy Grant a $200 million contract. That's not on the board. Like, that's not on the board. That's not something we need to worry about. But it's a big contract. You know, 5 for 150 would be a big contract for Jeremy Grant. Very large, obviously. More than that, I think, I guess, is on the table just because the salary cap's going up. But like, that would be, you know, five for 160 would be a massive contract for Jeremy Grant. 
No one's giving him $200 million. The reason you know that is because the people who report using anonymous sources are reporting from Jeremy Grant's agent. And what a nice thing you can do for his agent is put out the factual max contract he can sign. He's uh, he's eligible for a five-year, $235 million max contract. That's true. It's true. But it's not part of the negotiations. So while I think there is a number that the Blazers might regret, might feel that's burdensome in that over 150, over 100, you know, five for five for 150, 560, like in those those numbers where you're like, well, that's too much money for Jeremy Grant. You can't walk away. You can't walk away. So when I'm when I'm watching Jeremy Grant. And I'm thinking about the future, which is what I've promised to do on these podcasts is think about the future of this team. We're not, no playoff updates for now. We'll save that for later in the week or play in updates or lottery updates for those of you who are hoping they would lose to the Orlando Magic. What I think is Grant has probably played himself back into the range of about the max contract that's been offered, that's been on the table. So if he just signs that plus an extra year or just straight up signs that in the off season, fine. That's what you have to do because you have to retain talent. If you're trying to win, you keep good players on your team. That, that's, that's what you do. Even if you don't think he's a part of the future, you sign him to the contract and then attempt to trade him six months or whatever down the line, six months plus, two years, whatever plus down the line. You have to retain talent to be competitive. But Grant has probably proven to me that he's better as your third option or better as just a straight-up play finisher than a focal point on a team trying to field a really good offense. I, I feel like that's what we've seen from him in the no Anthony Simons minutes post-All-Star, that he struggled a little bit. Um, it doesn't mean that he's not good. I still think he's useful and talented and good. I just think um, while I, I thought the graph in terms of financial payday was going up for a long time for Jeremy Grant, it's probably plateaued, and now it's probably coming down a little bit. It's probably, it's probably I don't think he's like losing himself money. I don't mean to imply that. And in fact, I think the Blazers have kind of backed themselves into four for 112 or more for a contract into the future. But um, the... the I think my thinking around this has changed such that there is a number, not that I walk away from, or they should walk away. I, like, I'm not going to make these decisions. That they should walk away from Grant. That there is a number, there's a number where you're like, whew, that's a bunch of money. And it's like when Norman Powell signed five for $90 million. It's like, whew, that's a bunch of money. That contract's a lot. You, you, If you are committed to being good with Damian Lillard, you've got a good player. Jeremy Grant is a good player. You keep him and you figure it out. But I think the from the play that we've seen and from the lens that I was going to view him and then con- and using that lens to look ahead to the offseason when he will be a, a restricted free agent or a, excuse me, a free agent, uh, unrestricted free agent, that is. Unrestricted free agent, it's, it is... There is now... I think there is an upper echelon where I would start to say, yeah, that's a bad contract. Sign it, though. Still sign it. Keep him on the roster. Okay, in this in the third segment, let's talk about Joe Cronin. Speaking about the roster and this summer and all of these things, let's talk a little about Joe Cronin. This, this team, unequivocally, unequivocally, Joe Cronin's team. I will expand on that to close the show. He's got a big summer ahead for him. But before we talk about the summer and the unequivocalness of the roster, let's talk about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar that there is. Listen, I like them because it got 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, and four net carbs. Personal favorites, peanut butter brownie. Like I like cookies and cream as well. I've been known to get the uh, chocolate, the raspberries, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. They're sweet. They taste good, but they're not going to load you up on an unhealthy stuff and light you up with a whole bunch of sugar. 
four grams of sugar on average. And you're, they're available at built.com using the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off. But if you live near a Walmart or a Sam's Club, you can go buy a box right now, get a four-pack, find out what you like, go back and get a big old box, the 13-pack. You'll like them. Go try them. Or go to built.com. Check them out for yourself. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. This is a big summer for Joe Cronin. You may have heard. I will say that for one thing that is undeniable about Joe Cronin, he has been pretty darn clear about what it's what it's going to be. At Media Day, he kind of talked about like a guy who was uh, in charge of a bad team. The Blazers... <laughs> are now 30 and 34. Seems like Joe Cronin was being pretty honest with us then. And then at the trade deadline, after trading away Josh Hart and getting Cam Reddish and Matisse Thibel, he talked like a guy who knew that they hadn't really making the sp- made the splash they making, really made the splash they needed to. And a guy who kind of felt like, eh, if we miss the playoffs, that's okay. But very clearly, couldn't have stated it more clearly, he is anxious to push his chips in and make the big trade. We'll talk about the big trade and like the reality of how difficult it is to make a big trade at some point in the future. What I want to say is this. Joe Cronin has been clear, has been honest about his direction, has been honest about sort of the quality of the team. And he's done a lot of things that I think allow you to give him the benefit of the doubt up to this point. He has, he inherited a team that was mediocre. He inherited a team that was extremely expensive along with its mediocrity, and he turned it into a worse team that's a little bit less expensive over the course of one, you know, one and a half seasons. Tearing it down, I don't know if it's the easy part, but it's certainly easier than building it back up. This is the summer that Joe Cronin promised to deliver. And... I think to this point, there are obvious built-in excuses and obvious reasons that you say, you know what? It's a reason to be patient, reason to, reason to do all those things. In line with the big decision he's got to make on Jeremy Grant this summer and how much to pay him. I mean, just pay him, but like how much to pay him. Uh, you know, there is there is this promise to swing the for the fences and make this big trade. And before we get there, I want to be totally clear. He kind of inherited a mess, both. I, I actually don't think the roster that first year when Joe Cronin took over was bad, but it had bad vibes. There was folks who didn't want to be here, like Rocco and Norm, and they needed to go. And I, I'm not, I don't think Larry Nance was loving his role here as either. Like it was, there was guys who needed to go for financial reasons. There was guys who needed to go because run their course like CJ McCollum is just like he Cronin was tasked with the ta- Cronin was tasked with the job and the job capital T capital J was to tear this thing down and build it back up so far I think he's done okay he's done okay uh I, I'm a little frustrated with the lack of size the intentional lack of size on the roster all year long I think it's kind of a bizarre choice but whatever uh maybe they maybe this was Maybe this was the plan all along, right? Is to is to dip into the lottery twice and then and then and then fly soar back out after the summer of 2023. But I think more importantly, this roster is unequivocally Joe Cronin's at this point. All the inheritance, all the other stuff, all the the previous Olshay things. There's a protected pick owed to the Chicago Bulls. Everything else, everything else 
and then that pick can be, you know, if they make the playoffs, they're not going to, but if they make the playoffs, uh, they, it'll convey, or if they make a trade, they can, you know, they can, they can get it back, right? The, the protection stuff can go away this summer and it probably will. But right now, unequivocally, this roster is, is Joe Cronin's. Every single player on this roster, up and down, he has touched since joining over, since uh, taking over, rather. And by touched, I mean he has given a new contract to, drafted or acquired via trade, every single player on the roster. Damian Lord signed a new contract extension under Joe Cronin. Anthony Simon signed a four-year uh, a four-year $100 million contract. Yusuf Nurkic, a four-year $75 million contract. Trenton Watford has contract converted from a two-way to a multi-year minimum deal. Nazir Little signed a contract extension. Drew Eubanks signed for the minimum in the summer after signing a a whole bunch of 10 days when Joe Cronin was in charge. He drafted Shaden Sharp. He drafted Jabari Walker. He traded for Jeremy Grant. He traded Matisse Thibel. He traded for Cam Reddish. He traded for Justice Winslow. He traded for Keon Johnson. He traded for Ryan Archidiakono. He traded for Kevin Knox. He signed the two-way guys, John Butler Jr. and Abu Baji, and he used those picks on what he prefers, which is like uh, sort of raw project guys with high upside. He's said, you know, on the record, very clear. He's, he, he's a guy who would rather take a home run swing than hit singles. This is going to be, I, I believe, my, my impression of him is that's how he'll approach the two-way contracts. High upside projects as opposed to contributors to the back end of the rotation. Neither of those dudes are NBA players. This is Joe Cronin's roster. The contracts to the, to the core. Anthony Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, Damon Lord, and about to be Jeremy Grant are Joe Cronin's decisions. The trade acquisitions, Matisse Thibel and Cam Reddish and Justice Winslow are are and Jeremy are are Joe Cronin acquisitions. The draft picks, all his and his front office and his his decision making. This is his group. And this summer, we have reached the expiration point for okay, it's patience and okay, it's, it's this and, 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 you know, oh, it was a tough situation. Oh, they had, they waited too long to trade CJ McCollum. And so then it was blah, blah. We have reached the point. This group is Joe's. This group is Joe Cronin's. Every single, every single player has his fingerprints on it because he has, he has made a decision to retain, acquire, or select in the draft every single player up and down the dang roster. This is his group. In a year and a half, he made this, he, he shipped out what, what needed to go. He made the decisions, made some tough decisions. Uh, you know, he, he, this is Joe's work. And this summer will be a, I don't know if proof of concept is the right word, but this summer is the challenge for him to make good on a year of transparency. He has been straightforward and honest about what he wants to do. This summer is his chance to do it. And this group is his group. So the contracts, the everything, this is his, this is it. This is it. The future is Joe's because he made the present his own too. Post, post, also post, uh, trade deadline when they waived Greg Brown, that was the, that was it. That was it. That was the last remaining piece. Everything else Joe Cronin has, Joe Cronin is, is directly responsible for in terms of, in terms of keeping on this roster. So this summer, is a chance for him to figure it out. 
As promised, we're looking ahead in these podcasts for the future. At some point, we'll talk about the big trade, but I think we have a long summer ahead of us, so I'm not going to pound you with the big trade in March. I think that's unfair, but we are going to, as as I as I mentioned last week, uh, kind of look ahead with with these podcasts. We're not going to talk all off-season stuff and all those things, but like I want to consider the games with a lens on the future, so I will try to continue doing that. The Blazers on Monday evening play a second night of a back-to-back in Detroit, against the Pistons continuing a road trip it has it continues the rest of the week and gets significantly more difficult with stops in Philly Boston and New Orleans so strap in and join us hang out it's locked on Blazers we're available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube thanks for making it your first listen tell your friends to do the same I appreciate you listening I'll talk to you soon